Hey everyone, just a heads up, we had some audio issues with this recording. There's about five to seven minutes of a bit of feedback. We sorted out, so if you if you push through it, uh, it does get better. Uh, we decided to just post this one anyway, because it's really hard to re-record a conversation. You know, what we're aiming to do is to just have uh, real conversations in time and to post those. So um, in the spirit of that, we're sticking with it. Previously on Flowers for Zoe, Stories for Dennis. So now the question is, what do we do when Zoe's not here? Right now, Zoe's sitting in the hospital with this person. I don't think there's simple answers for how we help somebody, but I know for sure. One thing I absolutely know for sure is we should never let go of anyone. On today's podcast, we talk about protective factors, the things that make people want to live. If you feel activated by anything in today's show, make sure you reach out to somebody and talk. I want to tell you guys about Rat Park. Okay. This is all about early research. Early research on drug addiction was conducted on rats. So, fun fact, what do you call a group of rats? Do you know? I don't know. Do you know, Zoe? No. What do you call a group of rats? Mischief. That's actually that's actually the term. Who comes it up says, with these terms? They're so odd. It's like a, a gaggle of geese, a mischief, oh a mischief of rats. Okay. Anyway, a lot has been learned about rats. Um, if you Google it, you learn that they are considered to be in the top ten of the smartest animal species. They're mammals. They're social. They live in groups. They like to learn. And they get bored. They need things to do. They need like lots of stimulation in their life. They like hanging out with other rats. They play, they groom, they forage around. They like to explore their environment. So um, rats are pretty awesome. And they can be trained like a dog and they bond with their owners. Like you must know, I know people that have rats as pets and, you know, apparently, you know, they bond and they are absolutely trainable and they're warm and loving pets to have and apparently rats make a sound that's similar to laughing when they're happy so i guess this is why people like them so much that's oh, wow. funny yeah that's mm-hmm. funny that they actually laugh yeah i don't even know if it's laughing but they say that when they're happy they make this sound that kind of sounds like laughter and so maybe we're just interpreting it like that yeah maybe so you know we're feeling all warm and fuzzy about rats Um, so here's not, you know, here's the part that might be a bit of a trigger warning or maybe be upsetting for some people to hear, but, you know, back in the early days, just like now, I mean, research has always been done using animals, not always, but back in the early days of addiction research, rats were placed in cages. They were often alone and they would conduct research on drug effects. This is how we learned. So these lab rats were given in this, you know, one of the older um, one of these early uh, research projects, what they would do is they would, they would, you know, so here's the rat in a, in a cage and they would 
give the rat two water bottles and one would just be plain water and one would be laced with heroin or cocaine. And then, you know, the scientists would sit back and they'd observe and they'd be like, okay, what's going on? And, um, and um, so here's the not so nice part. And maybe you're not going to be all that surprised to hear it, but the rats in, in these studies essentially just kept repetitively hitting the lever uh, of the drug lace bottles and they would just press the lever, press the lever, press the lever until they overdosed and died. That's horrible. Yeah, that that's horrible, horrible. Yeah. So we don't do that today to rats? I would hope not. I don't I don't think we necessarily need to because that that you know research kind of it started to show some of those like addictive properties, right? That that the drug would just become um, something that was they, they were compelled to just keep hitting the lever. But so here's why we're talking about it. So along comes by Bruce Alexander, and he's a researcher who worked at Simon Fraser University in British Columbia, and this is like back in the 1970s. And so he's reading all of this research like researchers do, right? He's a scientist and he's reading all this research and trying to like, he's, he's trying to understand. And he gets really curious and he wants to know if the setting that the rats lived in impacted what they chose to drink. So in other words, did they choose to drink the drug-laced water because they were suffering in their crappy environment? And so he's thinking about all of this and he's like, what would happen if the rats had an environment where they could have all of their rat needs met. It's amazing that he even thought of that. I know, right? So picture the scientist with this like thought bubble above his head and he's like got all these questions and these curiosities and he's like, what if these rats just had like an amazing place to live? Would they still have overdosed on the drug water? You probably see where this is going. The rats that got to be in Alexander's research, they had a much better time because what he did was he designed Rat Park and Rat Park had all the things that rats like and all the things that they need to be happy. They got to live with other rats. They could socialize. They could explore tunnels and play and sleep together. You know, they were hooking up. It was pretty good for a lab rat. So they got, so they literally, instead of going to the drug, laced water, when they were happy, they went to the regular clean water. You're, yes, you, you are right. But here's the thing. He was testing his hypothesis. He set up the experiment to have the same controls. And you guessed it, Zoe. So they had the plain old water. And they also had the bottle that was laced with opioids or cocaine. And yeah, they sipped the drugs too, right? Like they still used it but not in the same way. They didn't binge on the drug water and they actually drank some of the plain old water too. And the most important part that came out of this experiment was that none of the rats died from an overdose. Holy shit. None of them died from an overdose. That's none of them. So Rat Park has a lot to say about what it means to have community connections. And what it means to have like a sense of belonging, at least yeah. for rats. Okay. So right. we know that people can't really be compared to rats, but we also know that we share a lot of the same social imperatives. There's a lot of things that happy rats need 
There's a lot of things that happy people need. So many academics and people advocating for social and systems change refer to this research that came out of Rat Park to say that humans like rats thrive when our needs are met. If you really want to dive into this and learn more about it, you can find a really cool article by Dr. Lloyd Setterer. In 2019, he wrote this article in the Psychiatric Times, and it's called What Rat Park Could Teach Us About Addiction. And this is what he says. He says, in immediate and powerful ways, opioids change how we feel, how we think, how we relate, and how we behave. These drugs transport us away from loneliness and isolation. In other words, drugs work so well that we become hijacked by them. And he advocates that if we want to help our fellow humans drink from the water bottle, we need to consider better ways of supporting people. And here's his advice. Help people stay alive until they enter an effective, individually shaped recovery program. That makes so much sense. It's pretty cool, right? Yeah. It's sad, but it's pretty cool at the same time. And it's really connected to what um, you quoted yesterday for, from Gabor Mate about the primary and the secondary problem. Mm -hmm. I wasn't there for that. What, uh, what was the primary and the secondary problem about? So basically, Gabor Mate says addiction's not the primary problem. It's the secondary problem. The primary problem is the reason why the secondary problem exists. Did I do that with any? Uh... <laughs> well, so if you think Was about that accurate? it. Well, so let's apply it to Rat Park. So basically, the primary problem was that these little rats lived in a pretty crappy environment. And so the idea is that, um, you know, they felt lonely and they were isolated and they didn't have all the things that they needed to be happy, healthy rats. And so the drug-laced water was a really good solution to feeling pretty isolated and alone. And the rats that, you know, had fun things to do and all their needs met, sure, they sampled the drug water, but they didn't overdose. They had enough other stuff to do that they selected the water and they hydrated themselves and um, they didn't die from an overdose. So if I can, if I can apply this to Zoe, that night that Zoe came clean, so to say, with everything. I mean, her dad had died two weeks, about two weeks prior to that. And Zoe for those two weeks was so depressed, like just so beyond depressed about her dad's death. So I was already like, oh my God, I'll do anything for Zoe right now. She's just in such a bad spot. You know, Zoe, whatever you need, what do you need? Is there anything I can do to help? I was like in that mode. And then two weeks, two weeks of that went by and Zoe came, came to me and said, look, this is what's going on. And it quickly became so evident that Zoe was depressed about every corner of her life. There was nothing that she was looking forward to in her life. And I relate that to the not to the rat park, but the other lab laboratory or, or rat laboratory that was plain and simple. You know, Zoe was, she had no hopes and dreams at that point. 
you know, she had no kids, she had no boyfriend, she had no father, her mother was distant, she lost her home, she lost her things, everything was just blah. So she was just, she didn't have a rat park at that point. She had nothing to look forward to when she woke up in the morning. And we quickly started to change that by talking about, you know, Zoe, when you finally do quit, what do you want to do? And Zoe came up with an amazing five-year plan. And, you know, the first step on that plan was to get her kids back. And, and again, I'm relating these back to Rat Park. You know, Rat Park represents like the mansion where you have everything in life for, rat, for a rat. So what does Zoe want? What are Zoe's hopes and dreams? And let's just not talk about it, but let's actually have a plan for it. Zoe wants her kids back. She wants her kids back in a home. She wants a house. So what's it going to take to get a house? Going to school, getting an education, following my dreams of helping people. Yeah. That was your rat part. That's what it makes me see. And it makes me think, you know, about a lot of the other addicts out there. Someone that is, I don't know, just so down with no hopes and dreams. How do they get out of an addiction like this? Like the addiction has such a good hold on them. What's their five-year plan? Yeah. How bleak is it? And I bet you, I just bet you that is, I don't know, correlated somehow. I don't it just seems to make so much sense that that would be co-related are you hearing all the feedback yeah from me I think it is do you hear it Zoe you know Zoe um, when she was on her recovery journey that five year plan played a big part I think I mean Zoe you tell us how important was that five-year plan to you? It was, uh, it was really that's... important to me. What were you going to say? It's kind of a loaded question, I know. But... Yeah, a little <laughs> bit. But uh, no, it was important to me because it gave me something to hold on to, something to look forward to, something that I had set in stone that I knew I wanted to do. And I knew the steps I needed to take in order to get there, right? Which I'm still working on, obviously. I still have a ways to go with it, but it gave me something to hold on to, something positive to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That That's, and it makes so much sense to me. Yeah. Like everybody needs that plan. Everybody needs something to look forward to in life. Otherwise your life looks so dull and boring. Yeah. That's true. You need you need positive things in life to to work on. You know, it's uh, if you're not working on anything positive, what are you really doing? <laughs> yeah. What are you really doing? Yeah. Absolutely nothing. You know, you're. I mean, maybe your life's not getting any worse, but it sure as hell's not getting any better. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So to have something positive like that to look forward to and to work on every day of your life, 
of your life, whether or not it, you're capable of getting it done in one day or not, you're working towards that goal every day, no matter what you're doing. And we're talking big plans here. Yeah. They're not small plans. They're, they're the big ones. Yeah. They're the five, 10 year plan type of thing. Mm-hmm. And I remember we, some of those early conversations about school. Remember? Yeah. We talk about what you wanted to study and um, we're talking about all kinds of things and you would light up. <laughs> you would light up and then suddenly it was like all this stuff that you wanted to connect to. You wanted to be part of things. You wanted it to be, you know, you wanted to, to, to go to school and to have a degree and to be able to work in a field and these, and you would light up and yeah. suddenly you were connecting to a preferred future. You were saying, you know what, this is what I want to do. I don't want to be doing what I'm doing. I, I want something else. And you started to connect with some bigger picture things. Yeah. And your whole face would change. You would get excited. Because it's exciting, right? Even I mean, now, look at you. You get <laughs> because, like, when you when I think about it, it's like these positive goals that I have right now. I I've never even thought about them in my life, let alone be working to get there. You know, so it's exciting. It's new. It's something I never thought that I would be working towards. And I am. And it feels really good and exciting and fresh and new and, you know, a little bit scary, but in a good way. I just, it's. And you're, you're doing the things that you really want to do. Yeah, like you really would love to take an ECE course. You would really oh God, love yeah. to take a psychology course. Yeah. And these are like, you know, when I was using and when I was in active addiction, like none of what I'm doing right now felt possible. It wasn't even a blinking, like a, a, like a thought that I had that I could possibly be doing something like this. How could I help other people if I can't help myself is what would have ran through my mind at that point, you know? And now I have a couple people as of right now that I'm, I'm actively helping with their addiction and their, them trying to, to get sober and stay sober. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to help them get into certain programs and, it's very different being on the other side of things, but it's also so rewarding to know that the little things that, you know, that I've, I've spoken about with these people have made a difference in, in the way they were thinking, you know, I I've given them hope. I have showed them that there is hope in getting sober and being able to stay sober. And that is so rewarding all on its own. Yeah, what you're living life right now. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's my personal mantra in life is to serve other people. I think we spoke about that before is if everybody were to just ask a person once a day, what could I do 
to make your life or your day easier for you? If everybody were to ask that question to somebody a day, the world would be such a better place. A lot of people don't do unless they're receiving in return. You know what I mean? Like they don't genuinely want to help other people. Like, and, it, and it's I wonder. Sad. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder about that. I think, I think it's contagious when you help somebody one time. I think mm-hmm. it's contagious and you see the benefit right away. Because yeah. you do get a great feeling when you help somebody. Oh God, it's rewarding, right? It's you feel very so rewarding. good. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> yeah. So I just, I, I just think that uh, since I've gotten sober and started on my uh, my recovery, my whole outlook on life is different I mean the patience that I now have with not just my kids but people in general is is crazy I mean I never thought that I could have so much patience like even in a bad situation like I just I'm so much more understanding of not just addiction itself but just any situation or scenario like I'm so calm I'm so understanding like I I I try to put myself in other people's shoes to see why they feel that way or why they think the way they think and I also try and put myself in other people's shoes that have a different outlook on things like just because I think something is right doesn't mean there's not another way that's right Right. Like, like, and just because I think something's wrong, I try to understand why that person thinks it's right. Nice. You know, and I find that, yeah, since I, since I began my journey of sobriety, I just, I have a complete different outlook on life. I'm a, I'm a very different person than I once was. Would you say different or just more of yourself? More of yourself. I don't know. That that's a question, eh? Huh. Yeah, that is a question. I don't know. Maybe uh I just even with my kids, I'm very calm. I'm very like, yes, I scream sometimes. Yes, I yell, but it's not like I'm like, oh my god, I'm so fucking mad. Like, and I can't control my anger. It's like I yell because I know that I'm getting across to them, not because I'm so angry that it just comes out. You know, but yeah, it's a mother's anger. Yeah, like it's go to your room. Yeah, you know, but it's not like you know, I'm the type of mom that will turn around and be like, you know, after I yell at them, you know, just because I think it's funny. So, like, just and I I was never like that before. Like, I just remember I used to get so frustrated over small things and just uh, you know, there I just thought everybody just was stupid <laughs> like <laughs> I really did and now it's just so different like I'm not like that I just try and understand where everybody's coming from it's very different now wow yeah I also hear that you know you're talking about your kids and when you talk about your kids you light up just like when you talked about school and you talk about 
you know, and you're laughing as you're like, you're talking about like, yeah, like there's, there are moments where you're parenting, right? And sometimes yeah. we raise our voice, but you know, if people could see your face right now, like you're just beaming, like you're smiling, like your face is just full of a great big smile. It just, and there's lots so of joy. Yeah. 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 So you're connected. Mm-hmm. You're connected. And I, and I have never felt, I don't even think I've ever felt like this in my life, even before my addiction started. Like I am just so happy with life and everything that I have in it. And I'm just, I appreciate everything so much more. Mm-hmm. It's, it's good. It's a, it's a good feeling. Mm-hmm. It's a good feeling to be able to wake up and be happy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like the worries that I used to have I don't have any more. I have actual normal worries in life. Like, shit, you know, I, I, I better start filling out my or, or writing my acceptance letter for university or George Brown. Or am I going to go to George Brown or am I going to go to York University? Am I going to take ECE or should I just jump right into psychology? I have worries like that, you know, not nice, nice problems to I, have. Hey? Yeah, they're good yeah. problems to have. You know, yeah. they're good options to have. I'm not worried about you know where my next fix is coming from am I gonna be sick am I gonna have money in order to keep up with my habit um who am I gonna have to avoid now like you know they're not like just my worries that I have right now are good worries to have they're Mm -hmm. good choices that you know to make you know I just I just have so much positive things going on right now like it's my life is just so different and it's just it's amazing it's so amazing daddy yeah so these past couple of weeks have been kind of busy I guess you could say um I had a lot going on I spoke with the people from Vita Nova to kind of switch up my my program and the times that I attend because I have the kids a lot more often lately. Um, they stay with me through the week sometimes and do their online schooling. So it takes up a little bit more of my time now that they're with me more often. So now I do the morning program from 10 to 12 and I have the afternoon off to hang out with the kids and and help them with their homework and their schoolwork in the afternoon. Um, I also started helping a couple of people with their addiction. Um, I'm not going to say any names just yet, but um, they're starting their recovery journey and um, I'm helping the best that I can. And so far it's looking really good and they're on the right track and I'm going to continue to do what I think that I was put here to do 